everyone, I'm Tony Shackle, pastor of Farm Hill Church. Our mission is knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. We're so glad that you've tuned into this sermon podcast today. We believe that the message that you're about to hear is going to bless your soul. Be sure to check out the many other sermon and worship service podcasts we have available for you. You can also find additional resources and information about our church by visiting our website at farmhillchurch.faithlifesites.com or look us up on Facebook. Or better yet, make plans to join us during one of our upcoming live services. We meet for worship every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and for Bible study every Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Now let's get right into today's message. Here's the sermons in December, uh, and we're titling uh, those uh, the three gifts of Christmas. Uh, we're going to spend some time in December talking about these three gifts. You remember the wise man brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, and we're going to talk about what those three things uh, mean, how they relate to Jesus Christ, uh, and how that then uh, affects our relationship um, with him and to him. And so I'm excited about that. I want you to come back and be a part of that over the next several weeks. Uh, we're going to dig into a little bit uh, more about who Jesus is and, and uh, what Jesus can accomplish uh, for us in our lives. But this Sunday, <laughs> um, I don't know, um, we're just gonna, I'm just going to tell you what the title of the sermon is this morning. The title of the sermon this morning is God Will Set Your Field on Fire. God will set your field on fire. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Samuel chapter number 14. 2 Samuel chapter number 14. Amen. If you're lost, go to 1 Samuel and take a right. Hallelujah. If you're still lost, go to 1 Kings and take a left. If you're still lost, go to the front of the Bible. There's a list of books there, and it tells you which page number they're on. Hallelujah. If you're still lost, just look at the screens. They'll be on there for you. Hallelujah. Praise God this morning. 2 Samuel chapter number 14. We're going to pick up reading at verse 29. I'm going to read down through verse number four, uh, excuse me, 31. 29 through 31. 2 Samuel chapter 14, beginning at verse number 29, the Bible says, Therefore Absalom sent for Joab to send him to the king, but he would not come to him. And when he sent again the second time, he would not come. So he said to his servants, See, Joab's field is near mine, and he has a barley there. In other words, a barley field there. Go and set it on fire. And Absalom's servant set the field on fire. Then Joab arose and came to Absalom's house and said to him, why have, you, why have your servants set my field on fire? And again this morning, amen, we're going to preach just for a few minutes on this subject. Amen. The title of this message this morning, God will set your fields on fire fire. Pray with us this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the opportunity, God, that we have to be in your house this morning. God, we thank you for the privilege, God, that we have, 
God, to worship you and praise you and glorify you and magnify you this morning. God, we thank you, God, for the blessings, God, that you've given to us. God, those that are obvious to us, Lord, as well as those that are blessings in disguise sometimes. God, we thank you, God, most of all this morning for your son, Jesus Christ, who went to the cross, who shed his blood, who died on that tree, on that hill for our salvation. God, if we're not thankful about anything else in this world right now today, God, we can be thankful, God, for what you've done for us and what you've prepared for us. God, I ask you, Lord God, this morning to help me. God, to strengthen me. God, I pray, God, that you would hide me behind the cross of Jesus Christ. God, that your name, God, and your word would be glorified this morning. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Everybody shout amen. And amen. Have you ever tried to get somebody's attention and it just seemed like it was impossible? (laughs) In the world we live in, a phone or a tablet or some type of electronic device, and it seems like you can holler at them and scream at them and wave at them and do all kind of things trying to get their attention, but their focus is on something else. And you can uh, uh, talk as loud as you want, but whatever that thing is has got their attention. Amen. This morning, amen, we read the scripture and the, uh, the story, part of the story this morning uh, of how Absalom, amen, went to the extreme. He went to some extreme measures to get the attention of Joab by setting his barley fields on fire. And sometimes, amen, if we're not careful as believers, as Christians today, amen, we can get completely oblivious Amen. To the, the guidance and to the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And sometimes God might have to go to some extreme measures to get our attention, amen, and get us back to where we need to be. If God has to this morning, God will set our fields on fire. This morning, as we read, we're going to start off, amen, this morning. Point number one is this Absalom set God, uh, set. Joab's field on fire. Now, if you don't know this story and don't know the people that are involved, let me just give you, amen, a little bit of history, amen, of this story today. Amen. Absalom was the son of David, King David, and Bathsheba. Uh, Joab was the commander of King David's army. And this whole thing started when uh, Absalom's half brother, uh, by the name of Amnon, he, uh, he ended up uh, raping. Uh, Absalom's sister, Tamar. You know that story? It's a terrible story uh, in the Bible. It's a, it's a picture of just the sin and the depravity that is in uh, man's hearts uh, aside from God. Amen. But Absalom, after this happens, uh, amen, he... Uh, and after that, Absalom is fearful for what his father, King David, might do to him because of what he has done to Amnon. And so he goes on the run. He leaves Jerusalem and he goes on the run. And the Bible says he's estranged from his father there for a period of about three years. But Joab, amen, after this period of time, and Amnon begins to, uh, amen, to, to have the desire, excuse me, Absalom has the desire to come back there. And uh, Joab also sees, amen, that there is a need there for Absalom uh, and his father David to be reunited, for that relationship to be mended again. And so uh, as he, uh, Joab gets in his mind, he says, you know, I'm going to come up with this plan, amen, to get Absalom back. So he, he, he launches this uh, kind of elaborate plan. If 
if you will. He uses a, a, a woman there to tell a story to King David, and King David ends, ends up realizing, amen, that he needs to, I mean, show some forgiveness there to Absalom and bring him back to Jerusalem. And so he does that. But the Bible says even after, amen, Absalom returned back to Jerusalem, King David would still not meet with him face to face. And so there's this tension between King David and his son Absalom. And the Bible says after a period of about two years, I believe it was, Absalom, Absalom's patience ran out. Absalom's like, fine, enough is enough. I'm in the same city as my father, but he won't even meet with me face to face. So something's got to happen. This tension has got to be broken. Either, I mean, I just need to move on with my life and go in a different direction, or, or we've got to figure this thing out. And so Absalom tries to get Joab's attention. Joab is, amen, the commander of David's army. So he's got the ear of the king, and he knows that Joab can talk to the king and, uh, amen, maybe try to talk some sense into him or, amen, try to convince him to, uh, to meet with Absalom. And so, amen, Absalom tries to get in touch with Joab and tries to get him, amen, to do something, but Joab won't answer him. And so Absalom, the Bible says, tries for a second time. To get Joab's attention. But the Bible says Joab ignored Absalom. And so Absalom finally decided, I really have nothing to lose here. So I'm going to do something and I'm going to get somebody's attention. This is either going to work out really, really good or this might work out really, really bad. But either way, amen, I'm not going to sit here, amen, for another year or another two years or another three years uh, worrying about how this relationship is going to go. Let's just go ahead and figure it out. And so the Bible says, he, Absalom tells his servants, look, uh, amen, Joab's got a field over there near where mine's at. And he's got a field right now that is got the barley, amen, in place. I mean, there's barley maybe perhaps is getting close to being harvested. I mean, it is full, amen, of these things. Why don't you to go over there to Joab's field, and I want you to set that field on fire. Can I tell you? Absalom got Joab's attention in a quick hurry. You set somebody's field on fire? You mess with their stuff. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all in here today know what I'm talking about. Somebody started messing with your stuff, they get your attention. Hey, Amen. Don't start messing with my family. Don't start messing with my stuff. Amen. I'll come at you. Amen. I might be a preacher. I might be a pastor this morning. But hey, uh, amen, I love my family, and I'm going to take care of them. You coming after me, amen, I'm going to figure out what's going on. Amen. You want to meet? Hey, we'll talk and meet right now. Amen. We'll have a conversation, Brother Ben. Hey, Amen. Come on. He comes to Absalom, Joab does, he gets that attention, and Joab comes to Absalom and says, why in the world did you set my field on fire? Amen. And Absalom's probably thinking, well, if you'd have paid attention to me the first time or the second time, if you'd have listened to me, amen, maybe well, I wouldn't have had to go to these extremes. Amen. But Joab, amen, decided, amen, hey, I'm going to meet with this guy because Absalom's finally got my attention. 
And as I begin to think about this this morning, amen, I begin to think about all the stories in the Bible of, uh, amen, these great men of faith, amen, some of these stories that we tell our children, amen, I don't know, they may be learning, amen, some of them in, in, in kids' church and youth group this morning, uh, amen, but we, we read about all of these stories in the Bible, these men, uh, amen, who had great faith and uh, that did great things for the kingdom of God, uh, amen, but we've got to understand and know, amen, even those men, uh, amen, even those women that are in the Bible that had all of this faith and did all these wonderful things, uh, amen, for God this morning, uh, amen, even they made some mistakes. They weren't perfect. And because of that, God had to get some people's attention in the Word of God. God had to set some people's fields on fire. And that's point number two this morning. Uh, amen. You don't have to go very far from this story. Amen. King David himself, the Bible says, uh, amen, he was a man after God's own heart. He was the anointed one. He was the golden child. Come on, somebody. Uh, he was the one, uh, amen, that was picked out over all of his brothers, uh, out of everybody else in, the, in, in, in Israel, amen, above even Saul or some of the other ones, amen. Saul was man's choice, but David was God's choice. But even David himself made some mistakes in his life. You know the story. It's very... Uh, very well known, amen, how he, amen, fell in love with Bathsheba, but the problem was Bathsheba was married to another man, Uriah the Hittite. And by the way, Uriah the Hittite, uh, amen, was one of David's, uh, amen, mighty men in his army. And they're out at war. David has an adulterous relationship with Bathsheba, and the Bible says that to try to cover it up, not only was it bad enough that David committed adultery, but then he tried to cover it up by bringing Uriah home from the war and saying, why don't you go stay with your wife tonight? I mean, why don't you, I mean, you've been away, you've been at war for a long time. I mean, why don't you go spend some time with your wife? And Uriah refused. He said, far be it from me. To have the comfort of my home and my wife and those things while these other men are out there fighting a battle. I will not do it. Uriah, in the integrity of his heart, went home and he slept on the front porch, basically. <laughs> he would not do what David wanted him to do because David was trying to cover up what he had just done. Since that didn't work, David not only now is an adulterer and a liar... And trying to cover up his tracks, but he hatches a plan to have Uriah the Hittite killed, murdered in battle. Also, David could take Bathsheba to be his wife, cover up his adulterous relationship. Nobody will know. But how many know this morning God always knows? And so God sent a man by the name of Nathan the prophet. Now, Nathan the prophet, amen, doesn't have a whole lot of place in Scripture, but he has a very important role in this story. And as you know, amen, Bathsheba becomes pregnant through that relationship with David. They have a child. But Nathan comes to David and says, David, you've sinned. It's the famous story in 
Some of you probably remember the words. Amen. He tells this story of a of a man who had this lamb, who had this sheep that was just so precious to him. This man was poor. He didn't have a whole lot, but this this animal meant everything to him. Some of y'all can relate with that. It was more like a family member to him than it was just an animal. And the the Bible says, Nathan tells the story and says, I mean, another man came along that was rich. He had all the lambs and all the sheep and everything that he could ever want, but he coveted after that one that the poor man had. And he had it slaughtered and killed. And, And David, enraged, said, if I could get my hands on that man who would do something to somebody like, that would take away something from somebody else that's so precious to them, And Nathan the prophet looked at David and said, you are the man. That'll make you feel pretty small when God speaks to you like that. The Bible says that because of what Nathan the prophet shared with him, he became repentant. And in fact, he penned one of the greatest repentance psalms in all of the word of God, Psalm chapter number 51. We don't have time to go there this morning, but I encourage you, if you've not read Psalm 51 or you've not read it in a long time, go back this afternoon and read it. Read the heart of David after he realizes, uh, amen, that it is God that is speaking to him to repent of his sins. Uh, Amen. He he says, God, uh, amen, I I repent. Uh, God, I don't want your Holy Spirit taken from me. Uh, God, take me, God, to a deeper place with you, God, and forgive me of my sins. See, the problem was this. Even though David repented, and even though God forgave him, David still had to suffer the consequences of his sin. Because that child that was born through David and Bathsheba died. And that was prophesied that it would happen. You see, God... Even though David was a man after God's own heart, even though David was the king of Israel, even though David uh, was the one chosen by God, God had to set David's field on fire to get his attention, uh, amen, for him to realize, uh, amen, you're on the wrong path and you're going the wrong direction uh, and I need to make a correction in your life. What about Jonah? Jonah was called to preach the gospel. And God said, go to Nineveh. Jonah said, no, I will not go to Nineveh. I hate the Ninevites. I don't want anything to do with the Ninevites. They don't deserve repentance. They don't deserve forgiveness. I hate those people. I will not go there. And the Bible says he went to the complete opposite direction of where he should go. Instead of going to Nineveh, he went to Tarshish. But how many remember God, amen, had to get Jonah's attention? And God went to some extreme measures to get his attention. (laughs) I've been on a boat many times. I was on a boat a couple times. I've been out there far enough where you can't see land, where all you see is just blue and the horizon and the sky. And I can't imagine being out there in that place in a big old fish, a whale, whatever you want to call it, uh, amen, come up, uh, amen, out of that water, amen, and just take you out. That'd be a thing of nightmares, (laughs) 
But that's exactly what God did. Uh, they threw Jonah overboard. Amen. They figured out. Jonah said, look, it's me. Uh, amen. I've, I've gone against God. I, I've sinned against God. Uh, I'm the reason why all this storm and mess is going on. Uh, amen. They threw Jonah overboard. And the Bible says God sent a big fish and swallowed up Jonah. And for three days and three nights, Jonah was in the belly of the fish. Does anybody remember what Jonah did in the belly of the fish? What would you do in the belly of a fish after God had made it swallow you? I don't know if it's possible to get on your knees in the belly of a fish. I'm not sure if you can tell which way is up and which way is down and which way is in and which way is out. Uh, amen. But I'm here to tell you, if I could have found a place of an altar uh, in the belly of a fish, uh, if I was Jonah, I would have found an altar. And the Bible says Jonah repented of his sins. Uh, out of the belly of hell, the Bible says, uh, Jonah cried out to the Lord. Uh, and the Lord heard his prayer. Uh, and God, amen, said, uh, amen, to the fish, uh, amen, tickle, 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 uh, and spit him out uh, on dry land. And guess what Jonah did next? I mean, what would have God had to have done if he didn't obey the second? What if he had come out? We'd be reading a totally different story. If Jonah would have come out of that fish and say, I still ain't going. But I don't think Jonah had that problem, and I don't think I'd have had that problem. Amen. After I done spent three days and three nights in the heart of a fish, uh, I mean, I think uh, I would have just said, which way uh, is Nineveh from here and how quickly uh, can I get there? I'm here to tell you this morning, God had to set Jonah's field on fire. You say, well, Brother Tony, that's Old Testament. Okay, well, I'll give you a New Testament example before we move on. What about Saul who became known as Paul? Now, when he was Saul, he was probably the worst persecutor of the church that we have record of in the Word of God. Saul was a Pharisee. He knew the Jewish law very, very well. And this new Christianity thing that was going around, this talk about Jesus Christ, was cramping his style. You know what I mean? We can't have this. This cannot go on we got to get rid of this. And so Saul was one of the greatest persecutors of the church. Saul was there when Stephen was stoned to death. Stephen was one of the first deacons of the church. And Stephen was martyred, stoned to death for his faith. And Saul, the Bible says, was there. They cast, amen, their garments, amen, at Saul. And he was, amen, uh, uh, agreeing with, going along with what was happening and what was taking place in the murder of Saul. Here's this man who now has letters from the priest and from the leaders in the, amen, the, the temple and the synagogue, and he's on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians. He hates Christians with every fiber of his being. His one desire in his life if he doesn't do anything else is to get rid of Christians throw them in prison persecute them and on the road to Damascus the Bible says Jesus came down and light shone and Jesus himself spoke to Saul and said Saul Saul why are you persecuting me 
Saul didn't understand until that moment that Jesus was real. That he was not just some crazy preacher, uh, amen, that walked the hillsides of Galilee and Judea, amen, preaching, amen, some strange, uh, amen, gospel, uh, amen. He figured out in that moment, uh, amen, that Jesus was the King of kings uh, and the Lord of lords, uh, amen. He was the great I am. Uh, He was, uh, amen, the one that he was fighting so hard to protect, he thought. He was the law. He was the prophets. He was everything. Jesus came down, rebuked Saul in that moment. And what did Saul do? He repented. The pro- You see, God had to set Saul's field on fire. Because there was a plan that God had for Saul's life that Saul didn't even know at that moment. Because God saw something in Saul that he didn't see in some other people. He said, if I can take that zeal, if I can take that passion, if I can take that desire that he has, uh, amen, to fight against me uh, and turn it for me, uh, amen, he said, uh, God said, I got somebody, uh, amen, who can write some books of the Bible. Uh, I got somebody uh, who can carry the gospel, uh, amen, to the far reaches of the earth. Uh, I got a man uh, that I can use, uh, amen, to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to Rome. And God changed Saul to Paul. But understand something. Even though Saul repented, even though God forgave him, even though God sent a man by the name of Ananias to pray for for Saul, because Saul was blinded for three days after the encounter with Jesus Christ. The light was so intense. The glory of Jesus was so intense, Paul was rendered blind through that encounter. But God sent somebody by, by the name of Ananias, to pray for him, the Bible says, to receive his sight and the Holy Ghost. But Paul talks about a little bit later in some of his writings, in one of his letters to the Corinthian church. Paul talks about a thorn in the flesh, something that he had, a messenger of Satan to buffet him. There was something that Paul had in his life that he carried with him the rest of his life from that moment on. And the Bible doesn't say specifically, but a lot of people speculate and say that it perhaps had something to do with that encounter with Jesus that day. That perhaps there was a problem with his eyesight the rest of his life. Even though he wasn't completely blind, it still wasn't right because he talks about having to have different ones, Timothy, and different ones write for him, uh, amen, and pin things for him. uh, Amen, I'm here to tell you, amen, just because, uh, amen, God forgave uh, Saul, just because, uh, amen, he repented and God changed that name to Paul, uh, amen, he still had to suffer the consequences of his sin the rest of his life. In the remainder of my time this morning, I'm going to go back to the title of our message this morning. Point number three is this. God will set your field on fire. God will set your field on fire. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life, and some in not the so distant past, where I found myself in a place maybe not as extreme as some of these things that we talked about today so far, but I found myself in a place where I'm not where God wants me to be. 
that I'm not listening to his voice the way I should be listening to his voice. That I'm not allowing the Holy Spirit to guide me and lead me in the way that I should be led and should be guided by the Holy Spirit. That sometimes, amen, like King David, amen, I might find myself, amen, going after the pleasures of this world. Like Jonah, I might find myself saying no to God and saying, God, I don't want to go in the direction that you would have me to go because it's going to be too painful or it's going to be too hard or I don't like it. Sometimes, I mean, I may find myself in a place where I'm like Saul. Uh, amen. I might be fighting against, uh, amen, the church and Jesus Christ himself and not even know it. And every once in a while, God may have to go to some extreme measures to get my attention. And he may not throw me out in the ocean, I mean, to have a whale swallow me up. And he might not send a, a prophet by, amen, to give me a prophecy. And he may not come down himself from glory, uh, amen, and show up and start talking to me on the road. But sometimes God has to set my field on fire. Sometimes God has to go to some extreme measures uh, to get this old boy's attention. Uh, I know you're not like me, uh, amen, but this old head can get thick sometimes, uh, and I can think I got it all figured out. I can think I got it all together. I can think, uh, amen, that nothing, uh, amen, needs to change in my life. But I'm here to tell you, sometimes God will set our fields on fire. And I thank God for it. <laughs> that may sound strange. I thank God that he does. Because if he didn't, ladies and gentlemen, I would not be standing here today. I would have done went off the rails. I'd have done went crazy. I'd be out there in the world today doing my own thing, going my own way. But thank God he sent some people my way. Thank God uh, that the Holy Spirit uh, gave me some unction in my heart. Thank God for the convicting power of his spirit. Thank God, uh, amen, that he set my fields on fire and got my attention before it was too late. I want to I talk to you this morning about five things, five reasons why God might set your field on fire. Number one, God might be trying to force you to face something or someone you've been trying to avoid. I'm going to let that marinate just for a minute. God might be trying to force you to face something or someone that you've been trying to avoid. Come on, there might be some Jonas in the house this morning. God has told you something. He's called you to something. Uh, you know something is in your heart that God has called you to do and told you to do, uh, and you've been avoiding it uh, like the plague. God might have to send a little fire your way 
and set your field on fire, uh, amen, to get you to realize, uh, amen, if you keep avoiding, uh, amen, what you think you're avoiding, uh, it's not going to get any better. Uh, it is not going to go away, uh, amen, just like Absalom, uh, amen, eventually uh, God's going to say, now enough's enough. I'm going to set your field on fire. I'm going to get your attention. Amen. I'm going to lead you. Amen. To that place, amen, where you need to go. Amen. This morning, amen, there might be some things in your heart you're trying to avoid. Uh, some people in your life you're trying to avoid. Uh, amen. Don't wait until God has to set your field on fire. Uh, amen. Obey God in your life this morning. Number two. If I get it too cold in here, y'all turn it down. That's good. Amen. Because y'all will not get it too cold for me. I promise you. There is one. If there... If there ain't but a million reasons why I don't want to go to hell, that's another one of them right there. It is too hot, and I don't like it. Amen. I believe it's going to be 65 degrees in heaven. You can believe whatever you want to believe. Hallelujah. God, number two, might be trying to get rid of some dead things in your life. Some of y'all see it. I mean, from time to time, you'll see these farmers. You'll see uh, the... uh, uh, the uh, the forest companies, different ones, they'll go out at different times of the year and they'll set those fields or they'll set those forests on fire. What are they doing? They're getting rid of some dead stuff. They're getting rid of some things, amen, that don't need to be there. They're getting rid of some things, amen, that are holding Amen. The growth back that needs to take place in that area. Amen. Sometimes God might be trying, uh, amen, to get rid of some dead things that are in your life. And God may have to set your field on fire. God may have to send something your way to get your attention, uh, amen, to wake us up, uh, amen, this morning to realize, amen, God is trying to do something good in our lives. I'm going to move a little quicker this morning. I I, I still got a little ways to go, so I got to hurry. Number three, because this one ties to that one. God might be trying to prepare you for new growth. See, that's another reason why they burn those fields. And they burn those forest areas. They're getting rid of all the dead things, all the stuff that doesn't need to be there, all the things that are going to hold the growth back so that new growth can come up. Jesus told a parable one time about the soils and the Word of God and how a seed is planted and how that seed, I mean, one type of seed, I mean, it's just, cast on the on the on the wayside on the road people trample over it it doesn't ever have time to get in the soil to germinate there's nothing that happens with it right amen then there's some amen it gets down in the soil but the soil is rocky and uh, there's no place for root uh, amen there's no place amen for it to grow but there was another one that Jesus said the soil is planted in the soil and that seed begins to grow up and it's growing nice it's healthy it's growing good But the thorns and the thistles begin to grow up, and they begin to choke it out. And Jesus likened those thorns and those thistles, those weeds that were growing up around that plant, as the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches. In other words, we can get so focused on the things of this world and the things of this life 
that God may have to set our field on fire every once in a while to get our attention to say, uh, amen, it's time for you, uh, amen, to get some of these dead things uh, out of your life. Uh, It's time to get rid of some of the weeds uh, and the thorns and the thistles uh, that are choking the life out of you so that new growth can come. Hey, man, I'm growing a pepper plant at the house, or pepper plants. I don't know what I'm growing. They were supposed to be jalapenos, purple hots, and red peppers. And they didn't come out green and red and purple. They all came out green. And they all look exactly the same. I can't tell them apart. Hey, man, but they've got the kids and... Tap to get on to me every once in a while because I've got this thing. It's in the house. it got a light on it, and, you know, you can grow it inside so you don't have to worry about the cold weather this time of year, that kind of thing. I mean, this thing is just, I mean, some of it is just, like, shot out like crazy. It's running up the wall. I mean, it's, like, six feet high. And there's a part on the other side. There's one of the plants that never took off. It never grew. It sprouted up, and it died. But I learned if I would prune that thing every once in a while and get rid of the dead leaves and that dead stuff that's hanging on there to the outside of it, if I would trim it back just right and wait just a little while, new growth started coming out. Hey man, and I pickled me some jalapenos here last week. Amen. I say jalapenos. I guess they're jalapenos and purple hots and red pepper. I don't know what all they are. But God blessed me with it, and I put it in a jar and put it in some vinegar and pickled them. And I'm going to eat them because I spent a lot of time growing them things. But even now, it looked like that thing was going to die. Like the whole, all the plants, everything was going to die. I just kept pouring the water to it every day, filled it with water in the morning, in the evening. They drinks like crazy. And believe it or not, all those areas that I thought were dead, there's peppers popping out on that thing everywhere. There's blooms still popping out on it. Can I tell you this morning, amen, you may feel like there's some dead things uh, and some dead areas in your life. Uh, amen, you may feel like, uh, amen, the Spirit of God is not in your life. Uh, amen, this morning, that it way that it needs to be uh, or the way that you want it to be. Uh, amen, trim out some of the dead things. Uh, amen, get rid of some of that out of your life this morning uh, and let some new growth begin to come into your heart and life. Amen, today. I promise you God will do it. Number four, I got to move on. God might be trying to lead you to repentance. Now, we've been dancing around that the whole time. Let's just go ahead and hit it. In every one of the stories that we talked about today, King David, Jonah, Saul, who became known as Paul, every single one of them, those three men had to come to a place of repentance. And unfortunately, repentance is not something that's preached a whole lot in the church today. And I agree that we can overemphasize legality and we can overemphasize those things sometimes in the church. We've been guilty of that. The church has. But there are times like these men 
that it is necessary for us as believers in Jesus Christ to fall on our knees and repent to God and ask Him for forgiveness of our sins. And you know what repentance really is? Repentance is not saying, I'm sorry. Saying, I'm sorry, and keep doing the same thing is not repentance. That's called a lie. Because <laughs> y'all, come on, y'all been there, I've been there. I, y'all, God, if you'll forgive me of this, I'll never do it again. You might as well not even have said that. Because God's going, yeah, right. It's not about being perfect. Man, if we could be perfect, if we could figure out how to be perfect, we wouldn't need the Bible. We wouldn't need the Word of God. We wouldn't need Jesus. We, he wouldn't have died, had to have died on the cross for our sins. We could have figured this thing out on our own. The problem is you won't ever figure it out because you've already messed up. You came out of the womb messed up. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what the Word of God says. We're all born with that sinful nature. It don't take long, amen, for that sinful nature to become evident. Come on, some parents in this place. You don't have to teach your kids how to, how to lie. You don't have to teach your kids how to fight with their siblings. Amen. You don't have to teach your kids how not to share. Amen. They are born into this world, amen, with a sinful nature in their life, amen. And when we grow up and we reach that age of accountability, that continues on with us. And even after we get saved... There's still the old flesh that we have to war against daily. Paul says, I crucify myself daily. That's what he's talking about. I have to crucify my flesh. I have to make sure, amen, I keep this flesh under subjection. And it is a daily struggle. It is an hourly struggle. It is a minute by minute. Come on, somebody, help me preach this morning. Hey, man. It is a struggle, and I have to find myself in places at times where I have to say, God, I was wrong, and God, I repent, and I'm not just sorry for what I did. Repentance means I realize how serious that sin is. I realize that it is a sin against God. You know, that's what, what David said in his, in his Psalm 51. It wasn't just that he sinned against Bathsheba. He did. Or that he sinned against Uriah. He did. Or that he sinned against the kingdom of Israel. He did. He said, God, against you and against you alone have I sinned. He recognized that his sin, although it affected other people, ultimately his sin was against God. And when you realize your sin is going against God... It'll cause you to repent. Because repent means not only do I feel sorry for my sin, I recognize the seriousness of my sin, and I don't choose to do it any longer. If it's hurtful to God, I'm going to turn away from it. Repentance is going one direction towards sin, and then turning around and going the opposite direction toward God. Laying it down, getting rid of it, and letting God change our lives. That is true repentance. And I promise you, as much as I encourage people to come to the altar and pray or pray where you're at, you can cry all the tears you want to cry. 
You can say I'm sorry as many times as you want to say I'm sorry. But until you truly repent, until you truly decide, God, I know from this moment on I am not going to be perfect and I'm probably going to mess up again. But God, I'm going to have a change of heart and a change of mind to take me in a different direction. Every once in a while, God may have to set our fields on fire to try to lead us to repentance. Number five, got to keep moving. God might be trying to wake you up before it's too late. Why do you say that, Brother Tony? I, I say that because of this. And I may not be preaching to anybody that's in this house this morning. This may be for somebody else out there. I don't know. Maybe there's somebody on YouTube. Maybe there's somebody else out there that needs to hear this. Maybe I need to hear it. The Word of God says that one day we're all going to stand before God. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. And I don't know about you, but I want to make sure I'm on the right side of the judgment when I reach heaven one day. And I thank God, as I said, as we're praying this morning, I thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ that has saved me from my sin, that has washed me and cleansed me. Amen. And those sins that I have committed that are covered, uh, amen, are not going to be brought up against me ever again. He said, I'll cast them in the sea of forgetfulness. They're gone. What a blessing. But the Bible also says that there are many people, not a few, many, who are going to stand before God one day who thought they were right. This is not my words. This is the words of Jesus. They thought they were right. They thought they had it together. They thought they had a relationship with Jesus Christ, but the problem is they didn't. They did all the things. They fit the profile. And Jesus said one day they're going to stand before him And many are going to say, Lord, Lord, don't you remember? We preached the gospel in your name. We prophesied in your name. We healed the sick in your name. We cast out devils in your name. Can I keep taking it a little further this morning? Come on, we sang in the choir in your name. We paid our tithes in your name. We read our Bibles in your name. We volunteered at every work day the church had in your name. When the church called for us to cook for those that had lost their loved ones, we were there. We brought three casseroles. Jesus is going to have to look at them one day, he said, and say, I don't even know who you are. That is one of the most sobering pieces of scripture, amen, that I think I have ever read in the word of God. And I want to make sure that my heart and life is right with Jesus. The Bible says we're to make our calling and our election sure that we are to be in a place, uh, amen, where we know that 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 our sins have been forgiven. Amen. And sometimes God may have to set our fields on fire to wake us up 
before it's too late. And my prayer this morning, because I've got some loved ones and some friends, I've got some family members right now that are lost. There is no other way to put it. And I've got some family members and friends and people that I know right now that are facing serious health issues and problems in their lives. That if God doesn't intervene, if God doesn't heal, there will come a time, there will come a day where their number is called. And my question this morning that is in my mind, are, the, are they ready to go? There are people that, are, that don't have health issues and health problems. They're about as healthy as healthy can get that are going to go out into eternity today. Are they ready? It's hard when you speak in front of a group of people, but speaking in front of a group of people last night, hey man, I mean, I sit there and wonder. I look out over the crowd and I, I ask in the back of my mind, God, are they ready? So I'm telling you, you look at somebody who's laying in a casket. It'll make you think about eternity. It'll make you, th make you think about where you're going to spend eternity. It'll make you think about, God, I want to make sure my heart and life is right with you. And God, if you've got to set my field on fire to straighten me up, to get me back on the right path, God... I know this is a dangerous prayer, and probably some would not like that I pray this this morning or ask this this morning, but God, if you've got to set some of my loved ones' fields on fire to get their attention before it's too late, I'd rather them go through a little bit of fire in this life than face the fire of eternity. God, there are people in this community, God that don't know you as Lord and Savior. God, I'm praying today, God, set our fields on fire, God, today, if you've got to, God, to get our attention. Uh, God, that there would be a recognition, Lord, that we need you in our lives, God, today. Hallelujah. Let me ask you this morning, does God have your undivided attention? Let me ask you this. Are you listening to the right voice? I'm going to walk through this quickly. But I'm going to give you five ways that you can know that you're listening to the voice of God. Number one, God's voice will be consistent with his word. It will never contradict his word. Never. If somebody's telling you something that goes against God's word, throw it out. Number two, God's voice will conflict with human wisdom. Amen. First Kings chapter number 12, a man by the name of Rehoboam. The Bible says, uh, amen, he, he had Jeroboam coming at him, and this is a time where it's to split. After Solomon dies, his two sons, Jeroboam, Rehoboam, 
are basically fighting over control of, of, of the kingdom, and uh, uh, Rehoboam ends up taking over uh, the area of Judah. Jeroboam ends up taking over the area of Israel. Uh, but uh, there's this time, amen, where Rehoboam, he, there's these people that come in, and he has to make a decision. And so the elders, the, the, the ones that had been with him, the ones that had advised his father Solomon, gave him advice, and they gave him good advice, I mean, to speak peaceably to Jeroboam and his people. But the Bible says Rehoboam, instead of listening to the elders, instead of listening to those who had some wisdom and some good common sense, he decided to listen to the young men that he grew up with. And he took the advice of the young men over the wise advice of the elders. And the Bible says it cost him dearly because there was war between Judah and Israel from that point forward. I'm here to tell you this morning, there might be people trying to speak things into your life and into your heart, but God's voice will always conflict with human wisdom. If it's good godly wisdom, it's because it came from God. And I'd much rather listen to some of those gray hairs, come on. Some of them's been there, done that, wore the t-shirt, wore it out, and had to buy another one. I'd rather listen to some of those, uh, amen, who've been through the fire. I'd rather listen to some of those who've been through the flood. I'd rather listen to some of those who've been through some mess uh, and came out on the other side, uh, amen, and they don't look like what they've been through because uh, God has delivered them out uh, of what they've been through, and they've got something they can speak into our lives, amen. Don't listen to the wisdom of this world. Listen to the voice of God. Number three, got to move. God's voice will clash with fleshly desires. If voices are telling you something and it's promoting your flesh, it's probably not of God. Let me back up. If there are voices speaking into your life and they are promoting their, your flesh, they are not of God. God's voice will always clash with our fleshly desires. Number four, God's voice will challenge your faith. Because sometimes God's going to ask you to do some things that don't make a lot of sense. And he's not going to give you step-by-step directions on how to get there. He's not going to tell you all the things you're going to have to go through on the way. He's not going to tell you how hard the struggle is going to be. It's just going to take some faith. Amen. To step out and walk, amen, in the way that God is wanting us to walk. Number five, God's voice will require some courage. So what in the world is the difference between faith and courage? Well, faith is trust in someone or something. In our case, what we're talking about this is faith in God, who he is, what he is capable of doing. We, we know we have faith in God. Courage, I guess, is born out of faith, you could say. But courage, then, is... The willingness to do something that might be a little bit scary. If you know the story of Joshua in the beginning of that book, in that first chapter, I mean, God says it several times to Joshua be courageous, be strong, only be very courageous. I mean, God keeps repeating that over and over and over again, amen, into Joshua's life. 
Amen. God, amen, might be calling us to some places this morning, amen, that might require us to speak, uh, amen, to step out by faith, uh, amen, to speak out by faith, uh, amen. It might require some courage in our lives, uh, amen, not only to be willing to have faith in God and what He is capable of doing, uh, but have the courage to step out into some areas uh, in our lives that might seem a little scary, uh, that might seem like, uh, amen, we don't understand what's coming next, uh, amen, but God might be setting us up for the greatest victory in our lives. Stand with me this morning. God will set your field on fire. God will set your field on fire. Let me ask you this morning. Are you facing something or someone that you've been trying to avoid? Does God need to get rid of some dead things out of your life? Are you ready for God to prepare you for some new growth? Is God leading us to repentance? Is he trying to wake us up in our lives before it's too late? Let me ask you this. Is God trying to get our attention? Is God trying to get your attention right now in your life? Let me ask you this. Do you feel like your field's on fire? Do you feel like God is speaking something into your heart and into your life right, even right now? And God is saying, would you just listen to my voice? Listen to my call. Listen to my plea into your life. Amen. Would you just, uh, amen, come to the acknowledgement and the realization, uh, amen, that I've got better things in store for you than where you are right now. Let me ask you this. Are you willing to listen to his voice and obey his commands? That's really what it takes. Faith and obedience. And out of that obedience, sometimes it takes a little courage. But here's what I want, to, I want you to know this morning. If God calls you to it, he'll see you through it. God will not send you out to do something until he's prepared you for it. And you may not think you're ready. And you may not think you can do it. You may not think you can accomplish it. And that's exactly where God wants you to be. Because he does not want you to depend on your own strength. He wants you to depend on him. If you're here this morning and you need prayer, the altar is open. If you want to spend the time in prayer this morning, amen, I invite you to come. Amen, you might have some needs in your life that has nothing to do with what I talked about this morning. That's fine. Amen, if you just need a season of prayer this morning, amen, the, uh, this altar is open. If you just need, uh, amen, to talk to him, if you just need a closer walk with him, if you just need, uh, amen, to feel his presence this morning, if you just need to say, God, uh, amen, I, I know, amen, there's some areas in my life, God, I, I just need some help, uh, amen, with. There's some situations and problems and, uh, amen, things that I've been trying to avoid, uh, amen, but God, it's just time, amen, that I address those things, uh, amen, and God, before you have to set my field on fire, God, I'm just going to surrender render it all to you this morning. God, I want to hear your voice. God, I want to know it is you this morning. The Bible says, amen, the sheep, we 
will hear his voice and will know him. You can know his voice this morning. If you need some strength in your life this morning, amen, give it to the Lord. Amen, let him work in your heart and in your life today. Dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We pray it has been a blessing and encouragement to you. Don't forget you can find out more about our church by visiting our website at farmhillchurch.faithlifesites.com or you can look us up on Facebook. May God bless you and we look forward to seeing you at Farm Hill Church very soon.